0: presentation of uh, that ministry, and I hope you enjoyed worship this morning. How many of you enjoyed the worship? <laughs> Aleskos was all nervous because this is her first time doing it, but she did a great job. Uh, we are in, what is number five, number six of The Chosen. How many saw the episode this past week? Did you? Not too many of you. I don't know what kind of attitudes you have towards it. You know, some of you might be uh, really strongly Bible-based and you're looking at it and you say, that's not in the Bible, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> I don't know if you feel like that. I, I'm a Bible teacher. I, I want to make sure everything's in the scriptures, but I love the chosen. and it's, You can't find some of the things that are there, but it's the creativeness of these Christians that have put this together and it pulls at the heartstrings uh, of all of our lives, and I, I just get so drawn to it um, and into the character, and you'll see some of the things this morning. I, I like it because it's relationally uh, relatable, and um, you know what, what we're going to see this morning in short clips, is not in the Bible because the Bible doesn't say that Mary uh, had a problem in falling back to her old life and then getting restored. But what has been really impressive to me is seeing the emotional relationships of people and some of the spiritual insights that you can only get when you understand who God is and how God works in people's lives and, and the spiritual warfare that we're in. That That is the amazing part to me. Uh, when that demoniac last week could look at the believers following Jesus and get repulsed by what he saw, uh, that just reminded me of all kinds of uh, events that I have had in encounters with uh, the spiritual world. So I, I, love, the, I love this uh, series. Um, just want to make a comment before Pastor Lance comes up because he and I are uh, tag-teaming this morning. Pastor John is up at Waipuna uh, preaching. He preached already on Friday night, and he's got two services he preaches for this morning. And um, sometime at the end of the week, he said, can you guys preach for me <laughs> this, this week? So we're here. Um, when I first got started with ministry, there was a guy that was so on fire for the Lord. He came in with his family. He memorized scriptures. He could just recite scriptures all the time, bringing people, friends of his to church. And I thought, wow, this is a really great guy. But how many of you know that you can start well and not finish well? And the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. And we are going to face all kinds of difficulties and problems. <clears throat> One Sunday, his wife and his uh, daughters came to church, but he didn't show up. I said, oh, what happened to him? I said, oh, uh, Steve's um, truck was stolen. He's a... Uh, really nice master carpenter, you know, just a real finished carpenter carpenter, and did great jobs. His truck got stolen. They found it, the police found it in shambles because it was burnt, completely burnt. All his tools taken and he got so despondent. Not only did he not come to church that Sunday, as far as I know, he just turned his back on God because of that event. How many of you know that it's through much tribulation we come into the kingdom? You know, we will face all kinds of difficulties and problems. Uh, What will make you walk away from the Lord? And today I want to just, and we want to make this uh, major statement, God, even if you walk away from God, God will never walk away from you. And here's the introduction this morning, and Pastor Lance is coming up. If you have your notes, uh, let me just read this introduction. God never gives up on us, even through our unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Unbelief. Disobedience. Everybody say disobedience. And disloyalty. Everybody say disloyalty. Just like Mary, we start well but face difficulties along the way. Today, we'll look at Mary's brief return to her past life and her restoration with help from her friends and Jesus' loving heart. We're going to show you uh, when Mary had that battle in her life and gave in and going back to her old life, and then Pastor Lance is coming up.
1: Nine is
0: too much.
1: I came in here with a single shackle to my name, and now look at this pile, huh? How did you get the first one? woman Hmm? what did you do for it wouldn't you like to know hey are we going to play or what get on with it watch and learn boys watch and learn hey Ah, mother of a dog first time yeah another another ah no sweeps on twos that's a loose rule over well, playing, right? We're not playing. We are done. Hey, you can't do that. I'm going to win my money back. Yeah, when? Now. I see. No, she was slow playing us. Everyone is actually a lion. <laughs> <laughs> You want to win your money back? Seriously? Mm Mm-hmm. It'll be behind the bar. Another. (laughs) A woman should know her place. I suppose you're going to show me? A chance uh, you should watch the chosen series because it's really uh, the human heart it's all about the human heart and how god looks at us for this clip that we've seen mary returned to her past life which tells tells me that there was something in her that caused her to step back for that moment that she really fully didn't comprehend god's plan and love for her so the question was did she really believe that jesus had a bright future for her And you know what? I believe she did believe. But like one sheep that was missing from the 99, she went missing from Jesus and the disciples. When God tells us to walk with him, God has a plan and promise for each one of us. So number one, our past does not determine our future. Number two, God loves imperfect people. How many people are imperfect here? Uh, Most of us raise your hand. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And number three, that God never gives up on people. There's a song by Jesus Culture. I don't know if you heard this song. It says, One Thing Remains. That's the title of the song. One Thing Remains. And we sing it in the church. And the chorus goes, Your love never fails. It never gives up on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up on me. In other words, no matter how we are or where we've been, God never gives up on us despite our frailties, weaknesses, such as unbelief. You know, God's plan and purpose is connected to our faith. And sometimes, well, most times, unbelief wants to tag along with us. Have you heard of the guy named Abraham in the Bible? He is listed. In what people call the hall of fame of faith. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11. A man we call the father of our faith. One of the most named Old Testament characters. Named in the New Testament. And God used him to birth a nation. That today over 2 billion people are believers. But like every human. We have frailties and shortcomings. Abraham's unbelief. In God's promise, birth Ishmael, by the way of Hagar, a handmaiden of Sarah's wife, he was not the promise. But even with this, his unbelief, God never gave up on him. And one thing that is unmovable, God never fails and never gives up on us. You know, unbelief can take hold of our hearts when we focus on our circumstances and not God's promises, in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham tells, God, Abraham tells God that Ishmael is the promise, but God tells him, no, he's not the promise. God's promise is going to come through Sarah. Abraham started well. He heard God, he obeyed God, leaving his people, family and country. In obedience, God had promised up ahead for him. Promise a blessing. A son and a father to many nations. Abraham took that step of faith and started well off in faith. But the promise of the son didn't happen overnight or months or years. It happened 25 years with the birth of Isaac. Isaac's was birth was faith. Where Ishmael's birth was through unbelief. What challenged Abraham and Sarah's faith to go in the path of unbelief? Well, we know this. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. She was 65 years old at that time. Abraham was 75. In other words, they were old. (laughs) Age was a factor. (laughs) Do you think Abraham, as a human being, had questions about God's promise? I'm sure he did. Year after year, he'll, he'll be hoping, is this the year I'm going to get a son? Is this the year? Believing it would happen. And you know, as time goes on and there's promises of God, it can wear your faith down. But God's promise is on his time clock. You know, uh, Tiddy's best friend, uh, when she came to know the Lord, she was single, um, And there was a prophetic session upon her when they prayed over her. And then one of the words was that uh, her husband is coming around the corner. So she was all excited about that. Years went by, nobody. Years went by, nobody. Then one day she came up to us and said, how many corners are there? (laughs) About 25 years or so. She finally got married at the age, I think was 55 years old. She found her knight in shining armor. <laughs> we, God's timetable is not our timetable. And time can wear us out. But we need to hold on the promise of God. I'm here. When I became a Christian and they prayed over me at a prophetic thing. And in my heart, there was a thing uh, a desire to serve the Lord in the house of God too, and so that was twenty something, thirty years ago. And then, and then I left uh, Honolulu to come to Maui, and at that time it was like it would never happen to me, but God has His ways. And I remember Joyce one day at church when I was here, she said, "One day you're going to preach the gospel beyond these walls." And we did start Wailuku. And then Pastor Eddie gave the opportunity for me to move into that, into here. So you never know. God's timetable. We need to remember his promises to us. Also, unbelief can take hold of our hearts when we listen to the advice of people, not God. You know, time, age, and time can be a factor. But also, there can be a voice that comes into the picture. And in this case, I think Sarah was probably telling Abraham, are you sure God said it, that we're going to have a child? Are you sure? Every year. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she gave in, and Abraham agreed to, and he went into the handmaiden. There's voices that come that we need to know God's promises. I remember telling my wife, um, you know, a lot of times... When I listen to you, I get into trouble. <laughs> and then her response to me was, well, it's your fault. Why are you listening to me for? <laughs> but Anyway. <laughs> I'm not saying people's advice, your wife's advice or spouse is wrong. But we need to know God's leading. Because Tidin always tells me, you know, God speaks to me too. Okay, which is true. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but when people come up to me and, or I come up to people and ask for advice, you know, I listen or I give advice. But the bottom line to all of this at the end when I talk to them is this. You need to pray and ask God. You can hear, I can hear all the voices out there. But the bottom line comes to this. I need to hear God myself in the midst of everything. Abraham's moment of belief, when you think about it, in the eyes of man, he blew it. He really failed. But God doesn't say, okay, next. God never gave up on Abraham, and God never gives up on us. One thing remains, as the song says, God's love never fails. It never gives up. And I remember uh, Pastor Sean from Waipuna when he was here in, in a, um time we had on Saturday with the men and women and he said this and I always remember that he said though I may not be faithful God is faithful so with that I want to pass it on to Pastor Eddie as
0: he comes let's say thank you to Pastor Lance that's great there's so many good thoughts that's there that you shared thank you very very much um I don't know if you've ever had this uh, time when uh, you have been watching your your kids grow up and you have some questions about, you know, how they will do in the future. Uh, I think all of us face that. And we are really fortunate, Susan and I, because we've been able to see all of our, almost all of our grandkids uh, be babysat and uh, spend years in our home, you know. And there was... One of our grandkids that, um, when Susan looked at at him, she looked at me and she said, you know, this boy cannot hear. And he just doesn't, I talked to him and he just walks by. And I looked at her and I said, he knows what he's doing. And she could never believe me, you know. And I said, he's really smart. (laughs) He's just ignoring you. (laughs) You know that children don't like listening? And adults as they get older, you know, we're the same way, right? We just do the opposite. We purposely don't listen. We don't like others telling us what to do. How many of you are like that? You know, I'm like that. So this is true Right through the Bible, and I'm, I appreciate the Bible because the Bible is so honest about the characters and the personalities. And they'll tell you exactly what's happening. And this is true of uh, of the prophet Jonah. And we're going to take a look at him in relationship to disobedience. You know, like, a lot of times we think God just will give up on us because we are so terrible in how we respond to uh, what what he asks of us. And the story of of Jonah is really, really interesting because this is a story of a man who's running from God, but God's running after him. And if you've ever felt like that in your life where you just had all that you can take in a relationship, in a job, in a life with God, and you want to go the other way, you know, you, wherever you go, you're gonna find the Lord. Uh, we don't um, we don't understand why we do certain things in our lives. It's, it's kind of a automatic re- reaction in, inside of us. <clears throat> when Jonah finally gave up, you know, God called him to go to the city of Nineveh. Uh, to preach to turn the hearts of 120,000 people, whose hearts were so vicious and violent and uh, murderous, because they were a very uh, militant nation that warred against all the nations around, and they came to, they came into Israel and um, butchered people and killed them. And Jonah, uh, who Saw all of that, God says, I want you to go to this nation and preach to them. And he said, no way, Lord. (laughs) Finally, he gave in through God's dealing with them, and he went there, preached, and there was a revival. 120 people, 1,000 people responded, gave their lives, and turned around. And this is Jonah's response in chapter 4, verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He looked at this and he said, God, what are you doing? Why do you take people who are like this and give them an, a chance? You know, they, they deserve judgment, fire from heaven, that just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says he was angry. <laughs> he was angry at God. Ever get angry at God because of things that happen in your life? Well, that's, that's what happened to him. And I, This is the, the lesson that I learned from that that we struggle with past hurts that are, affect our present behavior. And when you when you get into a situation, all of a sudden you do something that you're surprised at or other people are surprised at, a lot of it is connected up to what's happened in your past. And because of the hurts and all that Jonah had seen in the past in his life, he couldn't have a heart of love for the people that he was preaching preaching to. Uh, because, and one of the reasons why Jonah had a difficult time was because he couldn't understand how loving, compassionate, forgiving uh, God was. You know, God, even though we sin, God looks beyond our sin. Even though we are unbelieving, God looks beyond our unbelief. Even though we're disobedient, God looks beyond that. When when Jesus Christ came into your life, he knew everything about you, what you did in the past, and what you will yet do in your future. And he loves you anyway. And what what God had to do with Jonah was give him a real practical example of how uh, he loves, God loves people. And... Provided him a shelter from the hot day as he was sitting on a hill, looking down at a city that had been completely uh, revitalized spiritually, and he was bemoaning the fact that it happened and was angry at God that it would take place, and he was just sweaty and hot, and God allowed a shelter to be provided for him and then uh, after a few hours just wilted that sh- that shelter and Jonah began uh, bemoaning the fact that God provided a shelter and it take, took, took it away. And this is God's response to, to Jonah. He was trying to teach him a lesson. So then the Lord said, "Thou has had pity on that, that shade, that shelter. And if you would have pity on something like that, how should you not look at me having pity? on 120,000 people the city of Nineveh that cannot discern between their this is what god says god says they don't know what they're doing they're they're totally unconscious towards what their behavior is causing and you know there's sometimes you know i, I look at people and i think to myself they don't know what what they're doing they're just hurting each other it's one of the things that has been a lesson throughout decades of ministry for me whenever married couples have come to me and they're grumbling and complaining and they're angry and they can't get along. You know, one of the things that shock them is when I tell them, don't look at yourself as unique and different because that's what causes an isolation in your heart. Just realize that every other married couple goes through the same thing. And it, it's like a light bulb goes up in their their uh, relationship, and they realize, "Wow, if everybody else is going, maybe we can we can work through this." And that is true in every single one of our lives. Uh, you know, we we have things in our lives that we're not even aware of that gets uh, affected when we get into circumstances that we weren't expecting. Um, I came to Maui almost fifty years ago now. I can't believe that that I'm getting that old, but I don't feel fifty. I don't feel like I've been here fifty years. I don't feel like I'm in two years. I'll be eighty years old, and I'm looking at myself thinking, I feel like I'm still in my fifties, <laughs> but I can't believe that. Huh? And we got started <clears throat> with a small group of uh, folks in a Bible study, and. I was just paving the ground for somebody else to come and take over the, the church. So I was here for a whole year, every single Wednesday, having a Bible study in the morning and a Bible study at night. And many of them came to know Christ in their lives. Uh, God healed, had some major healings that, was, that took place. And they wanted me to start a church. And I said, oh, no, we'll, we'll send somebody over. And God really dealt with me because these people were asking me, please come, please come, please come, and we started it, and some of the folks that asked me to come didn't show up in church. But, you know, the Lord blessed, and pe- people came in, and um, probably about 10 years ago, one of the couples, you know, I found out that they were going through a really rough time in their relationship, and I was shocked at my, my attitude, because I heard that and I thought, in my, the back of my mind, I never said it. I'm saying it to you. But in the back of my mind, I said, good for them. <laughs> yeah, and I realized that is not the attitude to take towards people. <laughs> because, you know, like God said to Nineveh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't realize the, the commitment that they made or you thought they made so that you came over here left a really good ministry in Honolulu, a new building that was built and a plush office that was given to you in order to start from scratch, you know? So I think in terms of even our disobedience to God, like Jonah was disobedient, that he did not understand the struggles in his own heart that needed to get healed, and he did not understand how big God was. Was. And I think we need to understand that God not not only doesn't give up on us when we're unbelieving; He doesn't give up on us when we're disobedient. He doesn't give up on us even through our disloyalties, even if we don't follow through with what we say we'll follow through with. And that's true for Peter. Uh, in the story of Peter in the Bible, <clears throat> and we haven't gotten to that part in The Chosen yet, Peter couldn't see the—the uh, the reason why I thought the characters that we're presenting to you this morning um, will help us understand what Mary went through, even though the Bible doesn't say Mary went through it, is because every human being goes through the struggles at what you saw— on screen in Mary's life, even though it's not in the Bible, it goes through every single one of our hearts and our lives. And when you take a look at Bible characters, you'll see that they go through all those struggles in their lives. You know, we're, we're not perfect yet. I, I, was, I went to a seminar once and the, um, the speaker was talking about all the struggles that, sh- that Christians go through that we need to understand that people that we have a hard time with is just having a hard time with themselves. And we should put signs in front of all of our lives that say, please be patient with me. God is not finished yet. And I think it will really help everybody else uh, around us. What what Peter didn't understand, and Jesus told his disciples, uh, in a short while, uh, I am going to get betrayed, and I am going to go to the I'm going to die. They're going to take me. And all of you will run away from me. And Peter says, not me. Everybody else might do it, but not me. And Jesus looks at him. And this is what he says. Peter said, although all shall be offended, I will not be offended. Jesus says, in this night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me thrice. You know that? God knows more about you than you know about yourself. You think you just understand yourself. And God looks at you and he says, "I understand not only what you're saying and what you're doing today. I know what you're going to be like a year from now, 5 years from now." And he looks at Peter and he says, "Peter, as as committed as you say you are, there's going to come a time of weakness. And it's not listed in the scripture that's given to you. Jesus also says, But I'm going to take that weakness and develop it into a strength in your life. You're going to deny me, but I'm going to help you come through that denial. And Peter couldn't see that. You know, he insisted, No, 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 that's not going to happen. And Peter could not see the real depth. Of Jesus's heart for him because when he did deny him he felt so ashamed and so guilty that I don't think he ever wanted to follow Jesus again even after the resurrection because Jesus uh, the angels came to the disciples after the resurrection and this is what the angels said uh, to the women that came first to, to the tomb and found that Jesus had risen the angel says, go your way, tell the disciples, and then I put this in, in bold, and Peter. doesn't say, he didn't go through the names of every single one of the disciples, you know, Andrew and Thomas and Bartholomew. He just said, tell all the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Because he knew Peter's heart that Peter felt so ashamed of, of his denial of Jesus that he felt like there's no way that Jesus would ever accept me back. And so the angel says, tell the tell disciples and Peter that Jesus is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him as he said to you. And, after, and so Peter was singled out called back to follow Jesus, and he did, but Jesus didn't leave it that way. As he gathered all his disciples, he handpicked Peter and said, Peter, I just want you to come aside with me. I want to talk with you. And he looked at Peter in chapter 21 of John, and he said, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter said, yes, I love you. He, said, he asked that three times of Peter in order to correct the three times that Peter denied him. And he wanted to bring a healing to Peter's heart and Peter's relationship with him. Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter understood that he was totally forgiven, that he could be restored. And when Jesus went away and the Holy Spirit came, I found out today is, uh, isn't today also the Feast of Pentecost, right? It is the Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. Peter stood up in the power of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem and became the spokesperson for the disciples and won 3,000 people the first time he opened his mouth to speak. So God took this arrogant outspoken, very aggressive person that thought he, he had it all together and showed how weak and frail and broken he was and restored him back into the place of his life with Jesus and then released him. So out of the weakness of Peter, God released strength and power through his life. You know, all of us face different types of um, Issues in all of our lives. And God understands that. Every one of us are so different. Our emotions are so different. Our battles are different. Our challenges are different. Our past hurts are different. Every single one of us uh, have gone through different situations in life. God understands that. And he works in concert with our lives. Uh, He walks beside us and understands that. And is engineering and structuring our lives in such a way so that he can speak to us and teach us and guide us and make us better at the final end of our lives than when we began. No matter how we look at what our lives are like. I want to just share the final story with you, <clears throat> and um, I, I want us to take a look at uh, the video. This is a story of David and Spia Flood. Uh, He was their Swedish citizens in the the 20s, 1920s. This is the best picture I could get of them because this is such an old uh, photo. That uh, in their 20s came to know Jesus Christ in their lives and decided that they wanted to go to Nairobi, uh, Africa, as missionaries. And they went there, but it was really tough going. They had two children. Shortly after the second child was born, Sviva, the wife, died at 27 years old. So they were in their 20s when they went. And David has now lost his wife. He was very uh, devastated with the loss of his wife. And he looked around and, at, at the, the tribes people that he was working with, and nobody was responding except one child that gave his heart to the Lord. And and he looked at what had happened the past few years. He had sacrificed his wife. He sacrificed the best years of his life. And he thought, for just one kid. And he thought that he was just a fool for bringing his whole family here. And he decided to leave Africa. But he had to leave his young daughter, Abby. That's her Swedish name leave her, his young daughter, uh, in Africa because she was too sick at that time that he was ready to travel. And asked her to be in the care of these, this missionary couple who assumed uh, that care of his, his daughter and later went back to America to, to raise uh, the daughter. Meanwhile, David was living in Sweden He turned his back on his faith because of what he had gone through, Uh, got married a second time, his marriage dissolved, and he began living with a mistress. He hadn't even thought about his daughter. Meanwhile, in America, uh, Avi, whose name was given an American name, uh, Aggie, uh, thought often about her dad. She was raised with Christian parents that loved the Lord. She grew to love the Lord, later married, and together with her husband, started serving in ministry. But she always wanted to find her father, so she arranged a trip back to Sweden, and she found her 73-year-old bedridden father living in a shabby apartment littered with liquor bottles. She went to her father and told him she still loved him. And God loves him, too. And then she began to tell the story of this one child that was a convert, the sole convert of his life. That little boy had grown up to be a gifted leader and a minister of the gospel. That one little boy eventually led thousands of others to Christ. And that little boy helped to establish the church of Jesus Christ in Nairobi and was ministering to thousands of people. Upon hearing what God had done, David threw himself on the mercy of God. He asked God, 73 years old now, so that is almost 40, 50 years. He asked God to forgive his rebellion and his wasted years, and God did. David didn't know that he had just six months left to live. But those six months were months of productivity, restoring broken relationships. Nearly 40 years after falling on his face, David Flood got up and finished his race. And God wants to do that in every single one of our hearts, regardless of unbelief, regardless of your disobedience, regardless of your disloyalty. And this is what we find in Jesus' attitude towards Mary who fell back. We'll take a look at this video. It's not you. There's
1: quite a lot going on right now. So it's good to have you back. I don't know what to say. I don't require much. I'm... I'm so ashamed. You redeemed me and I just threw it all away. Well, that's not much of a redemption, if it can be lost in a day, is it? I owe you everything. I just don't think I can do it. Do what? Live up to it. Repay you. How could I leave? How could I go back to the place I was? And I didn't even... I didn't even come back on my own. They had to come get me. I just can't live up to it. Well, that's true. (laughs) But you don't have to. I just want your heart. A father just wants your heart. Give us that, which you already have. And the rest will come in time. Did you really think that you'd never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. I shouldn't. Someday. But not here. I'm just so sorry. Look up. I can't. You can. Look at me. it's over
0: we're going to finish off with uh, taking communion together this morning so if you can get your communion elements out. And I think we have a higher expectation of ourselves. Uh, Yeah, can we have the music team come on up? You know, we have a higher expectation of ourselves than God has of us because the Lord understands every broken area of our lives, and he loves us in spite of it. And so we need to come to the point of realizing Jesus' broken body when he went to the cross was because he identified with our broken bodies, our broken hearts, our broken lives. And we need to accept that we're frail, we're, we're flawed. Every single one of us are broken. And Jesus went to the cross for that brokenness. He broke his, he allowed his body to be broken for us. And he allowed his Blood to be shed for every violation of what we know is God's laws. And he says, I have an unconditional and eternal love for you. He loves us, and I I love the scene that we saw this morning. We don't understand the great love of God. Those, we're going through a whole series in our senior group right now, um, 10 minutes of, a, of every session that we go through, we, we look at heaven, what heaven is like. And because as seniors, we're closer to heaven than any other generation, you know, so we better get ready for it. <clears throat> and I have emphasized health so much, and I thought, you know, there's gonna, there's gonna come a time, every single one of us, whether young or old, you know, we're gonna cross that great divide and we're gonna walk from here to eternity. And it's good to understand what eternity is like. And one of the major thoughts of those who have had uh, NDE, near-death experiences, they've gone to heaven, come back. They've said the thing that characterizes heaven is love. And we know so little of what that love is like on this earth. I love that, that, that scene. It says, I just love your heart not our actions, he loves us because of of what he sees inside our hearts, not our actions and our performance. Isn't that an amazing God, that beyond all the wisdom he has, beyond all the power he has, he has a love that looks inside of every single one of us and loves us beyond Our unbelief loves us beyond our disobedience, loves us beyond our disloyalties. Father, this morning, we just thank you for amazing love that saved a wretch like me who once was lost but now found. was blind but now we see. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for this cup that reminds us of your great love your love that redeems and constantly changes and draws us back again and again to you. And for any who have not given their hearts to you this morning, if there's those that are here, I just pray that you would tug at their hearts and reveal, open up your great love that came to redeem and save and give meaning and purpose and eternal life to them. And as we partake of this, these elements this morning we just ask that you would embed in our hearts a greater gratitude and thankfulness for unconditional internal undying love that you have. Go ahead and um, if you break the tab that's in the front of this uh, cup it's easier to take off the top layer and then you can bread and pull it out. Go ahead and eat that and then drink of the cup. Okay, when you're done, let's all stand together and we'll conclude with uh worshiping. Great that love is in spite of the imperfection and weakness and flaws in each of our lives and we realize that you love us beyond what we can comprehend and you know us for all we are in our lives and understand all of the flaws and uh, failures that are ahead of us in our lives but you will pick us up and strengthen us and carry us on into the final days of uh, our lives here and receive us into your kingdom. So we just give you thanks. We pray that you would open up our hearts to understand you in a greater way. And we love you and give you thanks and give you praise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day, great week.